Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Hello, OKC community. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Whether you're listening via the podcast or if you're watching our first ever videocast, welcome. Uh, We obviously would not choose this to be the time in which we would do our first videocast, but here we are adjusting just like everyone else's. You're adjusting to these new uh, days we are in, these strange times we're in as we try and figure out uh, the best way to do ministry. And so we are taking a good crack at it right now. We don't know how long we'll be doing this online experience that you're doing right now. Uh, we know that the CDC put out the eight-week sort of no public gatherings of over 50 people. And so we don't know if it'll be that long. We're praying it'll be less than that. Maybe things will improve. Um, and But we just know that there's a lot going on. And of course, uh, if you haven't checked out all the announcements that we have, make sure you watch the announcements page and all the things we have going on in addition to this video or this recording of a teaching. But uh, we're so, so thankful for you, that you're here. We love our church. We miss desperately being with you today. And so as I started thinking about what to talk about today, I was just thinking about how so many of us are feeling the weight of this. So many of us are feeling the stress, the uncertainty, the disappointment in all this. And I was uh, just looking at one of my uh, favorite pastors this week, Erwin McManus, said that you have been through more than you know. You have overcome more than you're aware of and you're stronger than you think. And I just want you to be encouraged, my friends. You can do this. God sees you right where you're at. God loves you. God has you. And so that's our hope and prayer. And uh, as I was just thinking about this week, uh, what to say in this moment, how do I speak to this moment? Uh, I felt like the Lord kept drawing me to a story that is very familiar. It's the story of Jonah. And it's a strange story, I admit. It's a very weird story to consider during this time. Like, what does it have to do with what we're going through uh, this week? And the Holy Spirit just kept speaking to me about it. And so I read through the, the book. I mean, look at me. I read through the entire book of Jonah, four chapters. It took me like six minutes. Um, and so if you haven't read it yet, I would encourage you to hit pause and, and read, those, uh, read the whole book because um, it'll kind of set up what we're doing right now. But I know that most of us, we've at least got an understanding of that story. And if you've never heard it, I'll give a quick rundown of it, but um, and it's, it's, it's an interesting story. You get this guy, Jonah, who, of course, um, in chapter one, he's a, he's, a, he's a prophet of God. And I, I'm, by the way, I'm just going to give a quick rundown of the story, and then I think there's a really key thought for us today that can be really encouraging, and so that's my hope. But let me give a quick rundown of the story. Chapter one, Jonah, a prophet of God, he's, he's told to go to Nineveh, which he does not want to go to Nineveh. Uh, the history on Nineveh, the relationship between Hebrews and Ninevites was not good. They hated each other. He was like, no, I'm not going there. But, but God tells him to go there to actually preach, preach to them about their life. And uh, God, God brings up um, this, this, this call on his life. And Jonah says, no way. I'm, I'm running the other way. He leaves. He goes the other way. He actually charters a boat, gets on a boat, and starts going as far away as he can. And uh, while he's on this boat, God brings up a storm. And it's a terrible, huge storm. And the, sa- the sailors that are with them, they think they're going to die. I mean, they start praying to their own gods. They, don't, they, don't have, a, they have a different gods. They're like, you know, hey, help me. You know, help me Oprah Winfrey. Help me Tom Cruise. Help me, you know, Fox News, whoever it is. Uh, CNN, uh, it, they're, they're, 
their version of who they go to for their truth is they start praying to them, and, and Jonah says, uh, this is my fault, you know, pick me up, throw me into the sea, it's the only way the storm's going to stop. The sailors don't want to do it, they try to get back to storm, they can't do it, so they finally just pick him up, throw him over the side of the boat into the sea, and chapter one ends with this really crazy sentence. It says, but the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. So Jonah then, chapter 2, Jonah's actually inside the belly of the fish. And it says that he prayed when he was in the fish. And we're going to talk more about that prayer in a minute. But, but he doesn't just say, God, help me. I'm in, the middle of, I'm in the belly of a fish. But he also prays thanks from that, uh, from inside the fish. And then chapter 2 ends with another weird line as well. And it says, and the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land which is a great visual. I'd just soak it in right now. Just get that visual in your mind. Thank you, Lord, right? And then chapter three, Jonah finally obeys the Lord and he goes to the great city of Nineveh. And, and God wants him to go there and preach this message of repentance because the city was so evil and wicked. And Jonah doesn't want to go because he doesn't want God to relent on the city. He doesn't want him, God to show compassion and love. Uh, and so he doesn't want to be a part of God's plan. But after spending a few days in the middle of some fish goo, I think Jonah kind of gets the message and decides, uh, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to go to Nineveh. And so he goes with the fresh scent of decaying fish on his person. He walks into the city of Nineveh and he gives a message to tell people to turn from their wicked ways or that God was going to destroy them. This was the original turn or burn message. And the, the Ninevites listened. They said, okay, fine, yeah. And they, they started to repent and it says that in the scriptures that they actually covered themselves in, in sackcloth, which was like an ancient burlap. And, and this is what they did during that time to kind of, you know, show their, con, their conviction to feel repentant in their hearts. And, and they covered themselves. They were sitting out in the streets in sackcloth. They even covered their animals in sackcloth, which was kind of weird. I mean, I mean, why would you cover your animals? I mean, it makes sense to cover your, your cats in sackcloth because they're evil and they do need to repent. But, um, but dogs, I mean, come on, that's really cruel, right, to our dogs. But... Uh, I, I'm kidding, cat people. I love you too. Um, but chapter, chapter 3 ends with God showing mercy to the city. And, and chapter 4 then is Jonah getting angry because, he, because God doesn't burn the city. And Jonah's angry because he doesn't get his way. Jonah's angry because he doesn't understand the ways of God and why God has to be so compassionate. And, great, and, and he's, he is not grateful for what God has done. And God says, why are you angry about something that you have no control of? Well, you didn't create these people. Then, just like the other chapters end with a kind of a strange sentence, the entire story ends with four strange, very peculiar words. And it just ends with this statement, and also many animals, which felt like a huge cliffhanger. 2,000 years later, I'm also going, and what about the animals? Um, but here we are, and we have to kind of deal with this story. And as I sat with it this week, I'm like, all right, Lord, you put this in my heart to read. I've read it. I'm, th I'm thinking about it. And so many themes apply that we could talk about. I could do like this super, super rad, like four-week teaching series. But I think I'm just going to kind of stick with the simple thing that God put in my heart. Um, but it begins with this. Jonah, Jonah is, this guy's a mess. And I think we can relate to him. I think we all have a little bit more of Jonah's character traits within us than we'd like to admit. But Jonah runs from God. I'm sure all of us or many of us have had those experiences. Jonah reluctantly obeys him. I mean, he's obeying him, but he doesn't really want to. I, I think that's relatable to us. Uh, Jonah struggles with forgiveness. Uh, yeah, this is pretty real. I think we all kind of get that. Jonah gets 
angry about what's happening around him um, and feels like he's, it's out of his control and he's angry about that. Uh, yeah, I think we can relate to that. And then uh, one of the interesting things that Jonah does is he, Jonah thinks that the past should define the future. That's what he thinks about Nineveh. He's like, the things that they've done should define their future. He believes that the past of Nineveh should be their destiny for their future. And I don't know, I was thinking about that, like how grateful I am that uh, that's not the case for, for us, that our past doesn't define our future. I mean, we would, we would be in pretty bad shape if that was the case for many of us. So this guy's a mess. We get that. And the thing I realize is that for a lot of us, um, not that we're necessarily a mess, but we can relate to the challenges uh, we do our best, but we're not perfect, and we struggle through. And the thing, though, that really stood out to me and, and the thing that I want to kind of encourage you with today is when, when you notice chapter 2, something really beautiful happens. Uh, Jonah's in the belly of the fish, which is kind of the weird part of the story, of course, but he prays from the belly of the fish. And, and, and what I noticed is that this is when Jonah was at his best in the entire book. I mean, he is running from God in chapter 1. He's reluctantly obeying him in chapter 3. He's angry at him in chapter 4. But in chapter 2, he's praying to him. And he's praying to him a, a number of really beautiful things. He's praying, God, I need your help. I can't depend on what I can do. He actually thanks God for the fish. Like, gratitude wells up in his heart. He recognizes God's protection from the fish. He even repented from the belly of the fish. I mean, this is when Jonah was at his best. And, and, and for us, I think what I, I would want us to be encouraged with today is that when Jonah was in the belly of the fish, he was at his best. It would seem that being in the belly of the fish would be the, as bad as it could get, but it brought the best out of Jonah. And, and I don't know about you, but I feel like these days can feel a li little bit like being tossed overboard and being swallowed up. And perhaps God is saying, yes, that's true, but it's in these times that I bring the best out of people. Being in the belly for you today may be the inescapable stress and anxiety of the moment. I don't know if you're feeling it physically in your body, but I know some people are. The fear of our future, you know, how will this impact our life moving forward? not only in the near term, but in the long term. Maybe being in the belly of the fishes, what is going to happen to our economy? How long will this go on? What, what about school? What about, what about all the plans I've had? I mean, what is going on? I mean, and I think all of us, we can have a short-term perspective, but we're worried about the long term as well. And being in the belly of the fish may be that you literally feel trapped inside of your house right now or in this little bubble of relationships and it's driving you crazy. Or maybe being in the belly is just because you're feeling kind of angry right now about how the world is reacting. Feels a little over, bit over the top. Maybe you're feeling some deep frustration about that. Perhaps the belly of the fish seems like an extreme description for where you're at today. But maybe you fear the days ahead. So can I just declare over all of us today that when Jonah was in the belly of the fish, God brought the best out of him. You know, in our weakest moments, God has a habit of bringing the best out of us. So what does God have for you in this moment? That's the question. What does God have for you in this moment? Because perhaps it's not actually all despair. Perhaps he wants to bring the best out of you. Perhaps God will use this time to bring the best out of all of his people, to bring the best 
out of you doesn't mean that that's higher levels of performance or higher productivity or the best of your talents. I'm talking about better things than all of that. What's the best thing that God could do in and through you right now? You know, our assumption with the story of Jonah is that Jonah needs to be rescued from the fish, but we start to see that the storm and the fish is actually what rescued Jonah. It rescues Jonah from his disobedience. It rescued Jonah from his anger and his unforgiveness. And, and I can't take time to do a full teaching uh, over, over this, but Jonah prays, when he prays in chapter 2, he's not just praying any prayer. He's actually quoting the Psalms over and over again. Most of his prayer is actually quotes from Psalms, but they're not just any Psalms. They're actually all Thanksgiving Psalms. There's different types of Psalms, and he's specifically quoting Thanksgiving Psalms. And so he is inside the fish, and he's actually praying thanks which is kind of crazy. When we think we're in the middle of the storm, it would make sense to cry out for help. And he does that. He says, God, I need you in my distress. But that's not all he does. Something happens inside of Jonah when he's in the belly of that fish. He realizes that there's, he realizes that there's something better within him that the storm reveals something in him that he needs to be rescued from. And he doesn't just pray help, he prays thanks. At the beginning of the story, Jonah had the means to do what he wanted. He chartered a boat. I mean, he had the money to just say, I'm out of here. But what we find in this storm, he realizes he's got some heart issues that he's got to take care of. And when he was rescued... He was actually rescued from himself. The storm makes him better. So perhaps instead of saying, how do I get out of this? Maybe in this season we should be asking, what do I need to be rescued from? What might God, maybe, what might God be rescuing you from, me from, right now? What new perspective may he be giving you? What type of gratitude is starting to well up within us? Perhaps the best is about to come. Perhaps it's the best is about to come bursting out of us, and if that's true, I would say let it. You know, in the next chapter, after chapter 2, after he prays in chapter 3 of Jonah, the city of Nineveh, Nineveh repents and revival breaks loose. You see, God is not going to be quiet, and the church must not be either. I believe this is a time we lift up our prayers and our cries to God. And may we lift up not only cries of help, but praise and thanks. And may we believe that the best is yet to come. You know, as C.S. Lewis writes in the Chronicles of Narnia, he says, Aslan is on the move. And I love that picture of the lion on the move. And I just want to say to my friends today that our God is on the move. You know, the disruption in our society, it creates a window for the gospel to come rushing in. The Spirit of God can come upon, upon his people like a consuming fire right now in this season, and a wave of revival could come rushing through our world. That's what I'm seeing. Disruption creates unrest, and unrest awakens the senses that are dormant and ignored. And these are the senses that look for new answers and that are hungry for things that are of spiritual matter. And this is what's this is what's potential right now. This is what's possible right now, is that there is a disruption that is creating unrest, not only in his people, but in people who are far from him. And so perhaps this is the very thing that God will use to bring revival 
across our world. So let's do as the early church did, my friends. When they gathered in an upper room and they patiently waited on God in passionate and expectant prayer. I realize that these days are strange. I mean, they're weird. It's hard to know how to act, how to think. It's hard to know how to relate with people. I mean, do people want to talk? Do they want to get together? I mean, it's just weird. We don't know what to do. It's hard to know what's right. It's hard to know what to do to be socially responsible, how to be faithful. But here we have an example from a few thousand years ago that says that when you're in the belly, when you're overboard and swallowed up, what do you do? You pray, you give thanks, and you allow God to bring the best out of you. I just know that the season isn't for the church to hibernate and ride out the storm. It's to lift up a holy cry that disrupts and changes the future of cities. What has been done does not have to dictate what will be, my friends. So we, were gonna, we must respond appropriately, compassionately towards the world that is scared and living on edge. But we also must possess the love and the courage that represents the heart of Jesus for this world. And I hope that you will recognize the disruption that is creating a window for the gospel to come rushing in and to create a new day. So church, as I started, I just want to remind you that you have been through more than you know, you've overcome more than you're aware of, and you're stronger than you think. I love you guys. I will be praying for you. If there's anything we can do to pray for you, please let us know. We're here for you as your church family. I hope you'll engage in all the ways that we have listed here on our website. But I just want to say a prayer and close this time. Father, we, uh, we thank you from the belly of the fish. <laughs> we thank you from a place of disappointment, a place of concern, a place of fear that many of us are facing. And Lord, as we even talked last week, we know that, Father, we can trust that you are with us right now. So we thank you, Father, that you're with us. We thank you that you love us. We thank you that you see us. We thank you that you have us. I pray for each and every person watching or listening to this, that, Father, you would just, um, you would just remind them of that reality through your loving presence. God, we pray for our world. We pray for all who are suffering, who are sick. And, of course, we pray for our nation, that, Lord, you would get, give us guidance, guide our leaders, guide our government to make the best choices possible. And then help us as people in our everyday life not only know how to make decisions, but know how to just walk faithfully with you, trusting you every step of the way. We pray all these things in your name. Amen. Well, hey, a couple final reminders. You know, go to step five of this online experience, and there's all the ways to engage. You'll see them listed there. There's a whole bunch of stuff. All of it matters. So being a part of this church is not just watching or listening and but it's also engaging in all the other ways that we have going on in these very different days. Okay, my friends, so this is me signing off, and I will see you soon. Love you. Grace and peace. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, 
or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.